Hello and welcome guys. Welcome to the third episode of our podcast, The Fantastic Book Club. I'm Swastik. And I'm Tanishara. And today we are continuing with my second episode of the Lunar Chronicle series that I'm discussing. I mean, it's just so awkward with starting this episode in such a way because, I mean, the way we left them, though, that was so sad. And today, yeah, it it just gets sadder and sadder. But okay. Anyways, so in the last episode, we left Cinder, Peony, and Eco, right, in the junkyard when. Again, oh my God, it's just so sad. I can't even express it. So Peony is discovered to have letumosis. Cinder discovers it, and that's where the chapter four ends. Today we are starting with chapter five. So basically, Peony gets super scared because obviously she has this deathly disease, right? It it has literally uh, unknown cause, unknown cure, like. thousands of people are dying and have been dead it's a worldwide pandemic and like it's just super scary it's even worse than covid if that makes any sense uh, like But, people recover from people do recover from covid no one recovers yeah. from this i mean it just makes it so much more scarier but it is what it is in the tlc world and <laughs> So Peony has this disease, and she's scared of her life, and she's like literally having this nervous breakdown. Where like she screams out loud and uh, drops on her knees and starts sobbing, and like this ah, I I this episode is starting in a such a gloomy atmosphere, but like this sobs, this sound of a scream, like the moment I was reading it, because I connected emotionally with Peony in such a level in uh, just these uh, last two chapters, like it just, I almost felt like the screams are reverberating through my veins and piercing my heart. Like it's, uh, I, oh my God. It, it's and just you so know, uh, one, one particular fact that, It is such a common thing out there that she doesn't even have the time to have her portion of denial. Like she accepts it immediately and moans herself. And you know, grieving your own self is such such a strange process. But yeah, it does break the heart. Yeah, I mean, oh, but like she she still hasn't like you know accepted the fact because. she just came to know about and she's like not even she has not even been test, tested for the disease she just can see all the symptoms and she is like okay i probably have the disease and like she's scared at this moment and as for cinder it's like it's it's bad if not worse like it's super bad like she i should i think i should quote these lines from here she clenched her jaw feeling the painful dryness of her eyes a throbbing headache told her that she should be crying that her sobs should match her sister's like oh my god ah uh, the and this is the point when we discover that cinder doesn't have the tear glands or a tear, tear uh, duct yeah. and like 
it just makes it so much sad. Um, uh, oh my God. Uh, the fact that... I mean, yeah, crying is a sad process, but not being able to cry is even sadder. And I don't know if it has yeah. any logic to it, but that just steals your, you know, your right to express. And she never had, you know, the, the body to cry. And right there, she's seeing her sister and uh, like she is kind of sure that the only person she cares about is going to die and she can't even, you know, exactly. uh, deal with it uh, in the normal way. That is just bad. The, the, bad. Oh my God. It's, it's so bad. It's uh. So basically, as Cinder gets overwhelmed, seeing Peony have this enormous mental breakdown, her control panel reflexes set in, right? And she sends a calm. I'm I'm gonna discuss this specific terminology later on, but she she sends a calm to the to send an emergency over. And just after this even passes, she's like, wait, how did this even happen? Like Peony was not out. She did not like, you know mixed with the normal crowd she is basically she was basically getting fit into dresses while it was sender who was earning money going to the marketplace and then it struck her maybe like it's not expressed exactly here but it just seemed like because Chang Sasha was so close, like her bakery was so close, right? And to Cinder's booth, maybe Cinder was the career of the disease. Uh, and that the fact that she cannot cry, the fact that the person she loves most is going to die, like the fact that she's the reason that person has got the disease, like everything just mixes in. And it, oh my God. Oh. Okay. she gets overwhelmed and uh, in this moment when she watches Peony crying because she's scared she gets so overwhelmed and like the fact that maybe she's the reason behind um, Peony being sick she just falls on her knees and hugs her sister in this moment of brain stopped workingness like Obviously, that happens to every one of us. Like, it gets the best of us because when you face such an intense emotion, the every rational center of your brain of or your life just shuts down, and you feel like you have just one job to do, and that is to f- follow your emotions. Right, like. I don't yeah, and the thing is, sorrow, sorrow is bad enough in itself, and she's feeling it accompanied with her guilt that maybe she gave it to her, and she cannot. Uh, nobody can process, you know, those two things all together. Uh, oh, each yeah. one separately is bad enough. Exactly. Like, oh my god. Okay. So, when this is happening, like. Peony on when Cinder like hugs her and stuff. Uh, Peony kind of like recovers. Like again, I just connect with Peony on, on another level yet again because like the fact that as soon as Cinder hugged her, Peony got like a kind of like, you know, gained control over her emotions. Like that happens to me, like human touch, human intimacy. It's it It just acts like a miracle yeah. for me too. So. Yeah, yeah so, it heals you. 
it heals you and it it like it's i don't know it just like transfers it almost is like the heat transfers from one body to another and like warms your heart in a certain way such that yeah uh, it yeah so that happens and puny asks them to leave because now she is kind of accepting the truth and is like okay maybe i'm going to die so i think you should leave because l- you have already like touched me and stuff but maybe you don't still have the disease and so leave as fast as you can i don't want you to get sick and stuff and uh those hindu doesn't want puny presses them to do that like them as in sender and eco right uh so sender is forced kind of or like, also like i mean this moment i don't know i i don't want to judge sender because i obviously can't because she is already feeling so many emotions but at the same time like uh i oh my god i mean, I mean if sender just stood right there and like you know the story couldn't have proceeded so i guess it's almost like just to proceed the story that she turns away but the way sender's character is portrayed throughout the story i guess it would be more believable if sender just stood on that place right there and waited for the medrise to arrive but yeah she does leave the place and when she like turns a corner or stuff she is like she is confronted by three medroids as for the medroids uh would you like to explain tanisha what medroids are exactly uh okay so in t- in the tales world of the mechanicals world most of the things that happen happen with the help of androids so there are several kinds of androids you know like uh, in case of us humans we all have different jobs right and in case of androids too they do have different uh, you know jobs so there there are several kinds so uh, the two very specific uh, you know kind of androids that are used actually three one are one are one is the type that is accompanied by one particular human so like you said in a previous episode that they are more like the pets and there are medroids which are basically like you know the assistants of doctors and nurses and they practically help uh, you know carry uh, things and push injections and do all the you know manual labor in the medical field mm-hmm. and there are a few more kinds i will explain along the way because uh, one one another another kind is going to be very significant in the story so i don't want to spoil it right now but they are basically you know uh, uh, like people they have different jobs so these one are the ones that are uh, used in the medical field yeah so medrads are basically androids who are kind of like the medical androids androids in the medical field uh, and they cannot catch the disease too so that is just a plus yeah well they are the robots right so yeah uh, so they they don't have a human body so they obviously are immune to the disease uh, like not even immune you can't even say immune but like they, yeah they just can't catch the disease so three such medrads arrive and two of them go inside this uh take the band and go inside that junkyard stuff where peony is and one of them like asks cinder if she has been in contact with the patient or whether she is the patient uh with cinder obviously says no she is 
send and her sister peony has the disease um so and then the medroid asks sender whether she has been in contact with peony for the last 24 hours where sender lies and i'm like ah, okay when you are lying then the then the lie detector doesn't work that's kind of another point i'm going to discuss about this lie detector thing later on in a huge on a huge level so it's going to come up again anyways so <laughs> so uh yeah so sender lies about that and then uh the medroid basically says that it's going to test her blood sample for leucomosis and yeah so that happens the extract the blood from her breast okay now here's the thing right i don't know like extracting blood from the elbow tanisha just tell me right now when you hear the word elbow what do you think okay uh, i hadn't really you know uh, noticed that part very much but when i think about the part elbow I, the first thing that comes to my mind is somehow that uh, a place where uh, you know two bones join like the radius and ulna the humerus they join together in the at, at the elbow so i do think uh, it also kind of uh, you know has some connotation to the fact that she is a product of science and normal humanity i don't know like it can be or it can be just the fact that people do no longer suck blood from veins Anything. Okay, seriously, you yeah. just discovered something which I hadn't even discovered. I didn't even indicate that I had discovered that. I just asked you what an elbow was, which I expected you would say that it's like the knuckle kind of part of the thing at the back of your like, like basically the thing that juts out when you fold your arm, like to I don't know, to brag about your biceps and stuff. So like basically the knuckle kind of part. I associate the word elbow with that hard part and they are saying that they are extracting blood from the elbow and I was like you're extracting blood from the bone what and then it struck me that it's not it's the other part of the arm like the exactly opposite part but I don't know it was just so much funny in my head but yeah uh, <laughs> so so uh she is tested for leishmosis and hey it's not leishmosis right it's leishmosis uh, oh my god leishmosis i i wrote leishmosis okay i literally incorporated yeah, it yeah i do that a lot of times too because it's not the real thing <laughs> so we can just take it once in a while anyways so and when the android basically like you know tests the blood sample for the specific disease sender half expects that she would be the next person after peony to be taken to the quarantines but she is declared to be free of the microbe which immediately sets up like two different polar opposite emotions within sender right because while she notices that yeah exactly it's like polar opposite but at the same time she's feeling this like it's like such this chapter is so filled with emotional like complicacy I, it's it's so complicated emotionally wise like uh, but you know uh, th- this this gives me the feeling okay i would like to talk about one particular scene from a movie called three idiots i'm pretty sure you have seen it uh, yeah. and i'm pretty sure uh, yeah most of our audience can be indian so 
they must have seen it too like it is one of the best movies and uh, out in the uh, out in that movie i would just give a small premise of it there were three friends at at a point uh, and two of those friends uh, discovered that they have passed and they thought the other friend has has faith and you know oh, they had yeah. this entire oh my god yeah emotions ah. and uh, i think that it, this is that but on a, a you know higher multitude that is exactly yeah. what i felt when i read this हाँ वट वॉज दोस्त पास हो जाए तो दोस्त फेल हो जाए तो बुरा लगता है मगर दोस्त फर्स्ट आ जाए तो उससे भी ज्यादा बुरा लगता है on one hand sindri is feeling that she's like she's kind of feeling relieved because she doesn't have this deathly disease right and she i mean she has got another chance at life she almost thought that her life's going to end in a few days just like every other letumosis patient she has heard of right but at the same time yeah. when she notices these androids taking peony away to the quarantine center she like Oh my god that it just sets off this super guilt feeling that she's not going to accompany Peony and maybe she is the career but now she's like maybe she is not because she doesn't have the disease right so she is thinking probably I am not the career maybe Peony got the disease from somewhere else but yeah that's a topic for discussion later on mm. but anyways so she does have this feel a, a feeling of guilt she also at the same time feels relieved but basically when they take peony away uh peony is not crying anymore she's just scared and they exchange such a sad silent goodbye like uh, it just breaks my heart seriously it's such a sad chapter i mean it's not even one chapter it's like literally a series of chapters are going to be this sad so that marks the end yeah, of chapter 5 because five. that is how mourning works right you mourn gradually you cannot just mourn quickly that's true though that's yeah that's kind of true you know uh, let, let me just add one little thing that uh, at this point we know that kai is a sidrish love interest so uh, there i already told you that i love the fandom so much and uh, in one of those you know twitter threads that has been posted on instagram uh, there was a thing called you know uh, somebody wrote your head canon out there that when kai and sundar gets ma- gets married they don't really get married in the book but they told that when they might get married that she the you know the person who wrote that post just wrote that she wishes that uh, sindra doesn't have a bouquet of roses but she has a bouquet of peonies and i just oh. don't know i cannot forget this particular thing oh my god i just gosh. love this one so much uh oh my god that's oh see this is the thing i need you here like you just oh my god ah <laughs> uh. so that was chapter 5 now entering chapter 6 So Cinder leaves the junkyard place and she decides she's going to return home because I mean obviously when I mean when your one of your siblings has got the disease the deathly disease of letumosis the blue fever you have to inform your family right also the fact that she was the last person to see Peony and like 
practically wish her the last goodbye i mean that's literally not even a goodbye that's a bad bye but a bye so <laughs> i mean so she has to inform the family right so she decides yeah, she's returning home i mean as much as i hate adri she couldn't even uh, say goodbye to her you know younger daughter and that is like the only point in uh, you know the entire story i actually feel a little bad for her i guess i don't like, know if i'm going to feel bad for adri though but yeah maybe i get from where you're coming from but yeah adri is real she's a, she, she i don't know how to feel about her anyways uh but yeah you are going to understand like why she is the way she is my i mean not like have a back story or something you are going to see look into her mind later on in the series that's going to come up in one of the later books oh okay going to be waiting for it um so sindhu is returning home and while she is walking her way or to her home right her interface starts playing this video of whatever just happened over and over again like it's like such a human thing to do like and the fact that she i mean i can't even like oh okay so when something intense happens right so this happens to every one of us like the memory just starts spinning in our head over and over and over and over and over yeah, again yeah we have constant constant flashbacks exactly we, that just goes on and on and we just are like so frustrated yeah that is us processing it making sense of it and uh, yeah i mean sad things are complicated that is it doesn't happen that much with happy things but every sad thing it 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 puts us through a strange kind of trauma maybe for me it's basically the both like it can be embarrassing it's can it can be super uh euphoric uh fun thing or it can be the most sad moments in my life it just goes on and on in my head for a long time and it just frustrates me because i just can't have the like you know gain the control of my own brain and shut off shut it off because it just like i hate to be in the past or procrastinating about the future but it feels like almost i don't have a control over my brain and i want to be in the present but it's not always possible like it almost is an involuntary response from my brain and anyways exactly, so exactly. that's happening with sender the same ways just the fact that she actually does not have the control over her interface like if she turns on her subconscious then it may but because her human part of the brain or i guess i don't know about her like physiology of her brain but if she does yeah 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 she she has her brain is mostly human but she has a few circuits in there yeah you're correct in that exactly so It, the so the human parts of a brain if she like turns them on probably she can shut off this feeling but she's just super overwhelmed so so the video is playing over and over again and she's just yeah she is reliving the moments for a long as time as she approaches home she wonders what she would inform others about peony because like how do you express to a mother and the sister that your sister and your daughter 
are, I mean, is going to die soon. It's it's so yeah, hard. Yeah, she's as good as gone. Exactly. So she somehow manages to reach the apartment 1820, which I did not notice at first, but now I notice that it's 1820, apartment number 1820. So she enters the apartment and she's immediately shook. Like she can notice two emergency medrides waiting there. And her first thought is that they have come to like test Adri and Pearl probably because and take them away because Peony had the disease, right? And maybe Cinder doesn't have that, but maybe the other two family members do. But it's soon revealed that they have already been tested. And so uh, they are free of the microbe and they don't have the disease, but still the medroids are waiting, which raises a question. Why the hell are the medroids still waiting? And here's the answer, right? Audrey is a terrible woman. Yeah. She's not even a human. She I want to uh, punch her. Just, you can really punch her. Just punch. I'm going to castrate her. I'm going to boil her alive, keep her alive, and then bury her alive with worms inside a coffin, and then check on her after a week and find the euphoric feeling of her dying. Okay, I'm so salty, and that was wow, that was dark. Um, yeah, that <clears throat> was dark, but uh, okay, okay, let uh, me just tell you one thing that in all probability, you're gonna hate her more as the series progresses. I'm pretty sure you're gonna hate her more, but also, uh, at some point, you would get where she's coming from. Uh, you know, like, uh, okay, okay, I if I was spoiling things, but I can tell you just a small bit of trivia that. After when uh, you know when Goran, uh, found uh, Cinder, he took care of uh, Cinder more than his uh, rest of the family. So they did feel a little bit neglected uh, at a point. So I get it. Like uh, I don't support her. I hate her. I like, I hate her more than most people. But still, somehow I get her a little bit. Like there are people like that. Yeah, I mean, see, this I'm not is saying that thing. people go as far as to you know kill them but uh, or rather, rather sentence them to be killed but um, yeah I, I kind of get it yeah it's like the I mean it's not really a comparison but like the Adri in this story if I don't know if I would ever feel compassionate about her but like uh, compassionate what no I mean yeah no I no mean, no I do not feel compassionate about her but even but uh, I think I'm just yeah I don't I suppose you have not watched any of uh, either Euphoria or Young Royals right I guess you haven't no, yeah I haven't. so good <laughs> so in Euphoria there's this uh, <laughs> one particular character Nate Jacobs right played by Jacob Elordi uh, he is arguably the most um, cruel and the most hated character on the show but at the same time uh, the show manages to uh, capture such sentimental sensitive and like I don't know how to express this like such um, I mean so emotionally driven parts of his childhood that it almost gives a reason 
enough for him to be the way he is i don't think adri ever can have those or the way you are describing i don't think uh, the story gives her this reasons but like i can see this is no, like the way you are saying at the way we're telling those things that associates more to the characterization of lavanda like uh, you know uh, that entire thing that uh, trauma leads you to become a horrible person that is uh, more like lavanda than adri adri oh. is more like a jerk but she's a jealous jerk that is the entire thing oh that okay that's Oh okay. and also she is she's okay she is very prejudiced like you know her hatred towards sindha doesn't just come from you know her own hatred it also comes from the society's hatred towards cyborgs a lot oh that that's like uh, on another level that's just, that. yeah she, that's 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 super gross like yeah when you just hate on a person because the society decides to hate on a specific group of person without any logic it's just gross to me and i find those humans who support and don't try to think otherwise gr- uh, similarly gross so yeah i hate audrey yeah, more exactly. now um <laughs> but like i do see this uh, certain trend in the script writers right who try to incorporate this reasoning behind uh, a person's character being so cruel or like so i mean so evil like and i kind of like it because it just uh makes a character more realistic because it's usually in real life it's always a person does have a reason for becoming something like that like if a person has become a monster that's probably because of some uh, previous trauma or like there lies some specific reasons right and yeah, yeah i mean so. i just okay i i'm not saying it's the case all the time but um in most cases do you think that a person who doesn't know what violence is can become can can grow up into a violent person it can't be right you know uh, exactly. this might this might sound bad but uh, you know uh, along the borders uh, in, along our northern borders there are a lot of terrorist organizations and the children that grow up there they are uh, in uh, most of the cases they end up joining those organizations because they don't know better and uh, that is that is worse but uh, that is more sad but in case of these kind of villains that we deal with in fiction they also have some sort of deeply embedded trauma that they didn't uh, get to process and now it has become this living breathing thing inside them that makes them almost evil exactly that's the you have a reason for being evil that doesn't like uh balance your being evil discount, but it yeah, just discount yeah. the fact that you are bad hmm. it doesn't discount but it does give you a reason and maybe even gives some people a reason to relate with you and uh, yeah maybe some people may empathize with you so that's a better way of seeing it just so back to the story enough of the side tracking uh so adri so when sender comes in right adri is very like i don't even know how to describe it she is just she acts so i'm literally holding myself from using curse words like um she just It is, she just enrages me her presence and stuff she basically like okay in short she basically blames cinder for peony's disease 
and and when Cinder tries to explain that she doesn't have the disease because she has been, you know, she has been tested. Uh, her blood sample has been tested, and she has been saying she doesn't. Ha- yeah, she doesn't have leptomosis. Even that doesn't convince Audrey. She is like, you are the reason my family broke. You are the reason my uh, literally I'm going through such uh, hard times. And it's like, Sandra is the bread earner of the family. You are literally like, not the fact that bread earners mean something more, but like, you just just be kind to another person. Sandra literally lost the, the almost lost the person she loved most on earth. And like, though she is your daughter like peony is your daughter just try to yes she does not have the gift of empathizing with someone you know i just yeah so audrey is a horrible mm. human being she and like one thing i noted down though the way audrey spoke harshly to cinder and when cinder says and i quote she wished she could cry to prove it like that sentence oh my god it just sent me over the edge like she, that is one of the recurring you know uh, uh, one of the things that sanjara always wishes that she could cry or she didn't have the lie detector or things like that she just wishes that them over and over again she just wants to be human so bad and uh, yeah that is so so sad like uh it's literally embedded in her biology her her identity uh, of being cyborg like it's 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 just her and she cannot be accepted she is not she's just not accepted she can't even accept herself because uh, like oh my god did, did adri doesn't literally doesn't believe that sender has emotions because she cannot cry like oh my god yeah and she mocks her she mocks her all the time exactly oh my god yeah that's just so bad so adri not only just blames sender for the fate of puni but she also blames sender for the fate of garan when like uh puni uh, when sender says that no she denies that Gar- she had nothing to do with garan adri literally gets violent and when i see violent she literally shoves off a net screen of its brackets and like literally crashes it and i mean she has got violent within a few seconds and just for the fact that shindri is trying to prove that she is innocent she has nothing to do with uh, all this blaming and stuff and it's just false and like she blames sender for the fact that garan has been dead because apparently garan when he was in europe and his family was with him he had discovered and adopted cinder and soon after that garan had been diagnosed with uh, leptomosis and he probably died with for uh, he died of leptomosis so that's another sad yeah. incident that we come to know about then when this uh, another thing when this net screen does fall it's mentioned that there are some uh garan's achievement flakes are also broken with that which we uh in some place in the story we come to know that garan was somehow uh, associated with some research projects and stuff so or maybe he was yeah 
that is that is going to play one of the most uh, you know it, it is going to be a really big deal yeah and though like this may be a different kind of side tracking but i just want to incorporate right here the way i see the storyline building in future is that garan somehow discovered and i'm still sticking with my uh, theory that sender is princess selene so garan as per my conspiracy theory garan found acha, acha. let let me just say let me just say uh, one ask one thing how much sure are you seriously i'm like i'm like um uh, like 98 to 99% sure like i uh, i know if if this is wrong it's going to be so embarrassing for me but i just 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 think of the moment if it's expressed that she is princess celine i'm going to be so happy i just just because of that thing i'm just going okay on. okay 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 let me just uh, ask you another thing do you remember what i told the name cinder means yeah i do remember about that uh, calculation regarding age and years but i do think there's something um um it's no, no, it's no. what what is the name cinder means okay again this is like a, a thing that we discussed in the past dis- two disaster episodes where she expressed that cinder ha. means uh, ashes right so literally yeah. like cinder again it goes with the plot that i am building in my mind that Celine somehow escaped from Luna and landed on Earth where she lost her she lost wow that's english um, <laughs> she lost uh, some of her limbs some body parts and stuff so garan if i'm correct he recognized that that's princess celine he came to know and uh, just process that maybe some day celine would uh, revive and she can replace uh, the throne of monarch in um, luna and maybe the whole world's uh, like earth and luna can be, have a peace again so he basically picks up princess celine and does this surgery and i guess because he is like this research researcher thing so he does the operation by himself and though it's written in the papers that he's adapting this is me speaking that probably it's garan operating on princess celine and building cinder which is again just a secret pun between garan and himself that it's a person raised from ashes because i mean it's going to the contexts are going to come up later on as i've seen in the later chapters like i haven't read and i don't the whole book and i don't know whether this is true or not but yeah i've seen some references and i'm going to I mentioned those as I go along the story. Uh, so, yeah, this okay, is my okay. conspiracy theory. Okay, yeah. this is good. I think uh, you're gonna be happy someday. Did you just say that I what I was thinking was true? No, you just confirmed. I didn't. I just said maybe maybe you'll be happy someday. I didn't say anything. Yes, maybe you'll be happy someday. Mm. Hold on. Okay. Anyways, back to the story. so again like literally we just has spent some sweet moments and now we are back to this gloomy atmosphere of this apartment number 1820 yeah <laughs> so yeah senda is definitely worried and she's not worried but she's like scared seeing a sudden enraging of 
Audrey and uh, when Audrey tries to calm down because she likes to play cool uh, in front of all the other human beings or why do I keep saying human beings like literally everyone so she tries to play it off cool and she just uh, declares that Cinder you have been assigned to this uh, cyborg draft thing so you're gonna go and sacrifice your life I don't want to see your face anymore and like it just it literally turns Cinder's world upside down. Like, this is what I mentioned in my notes, right? Audrey volunteered, quote-unquote, volunteered her into the plague research. Seriously, do they even know the meaning of volunteering? Like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, is, there is one of the things, you know, one of the doctors in the, you know, that draft center also says that she has volunteered, this person has volunteered, and they never vol- who is going to be like, okay, kill me so that you can again fill in another research of yours. Who does that? And unlike you, unless you are like super depressed or something like that, she was literally relieved that, thank God, I am not dying, even though I'm so sad that my heart is breaking inside me and I can feel the stab wounds of my heart pieces. At least I'm alive. That was her entire hope. And now she's thinking that, cool, now I'm dead too. Like, I'm as dead as her. Oh my like, God, seriously? Yeah. This, this, like, terming this as volunteering, it just, I mean, it's... Uh, again, I'm going to give but, uh, another... Those double standards do exist in our society too, so we can't... We are not so bad to complain Yeah, it's it almost... It's... it's it's uh, Okay, I'm going to draw, uh, draw two metaphors here. One would be like uh, forcing someone to marry another person, which is very much prevalent in our society, even to this day, which is super sad, but yeah, it's super... Yeah. It comes up in the newspaper now and then. Common. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Especially common. in the rural side, it's very exactly. common. And in the urban side, it's still coming. Yeah. And uh, uh, less, I mean, it's not less emotional, but like less realistic uh, comparison I'm, that I'm going to draw because so that you can feel a little relieved because that might not endanger their sweet dreams at night. So, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Tanisha, you haven't watched Luca 2. That- Disney movie? No. Yeah. Nice. No. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Seriously. But uh, not watching things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, so but yeah, I can't blame you. You have read so many books that I'm literally so jealous of you. Like I watch all this. No, I actually movies. do watch things, but when I watch, I end up watching, I don't know, like regional things from uh, Japan, like the anime. I have told you so many times, but you don't watch them. So what can oh, I do? Yeah, that, that's, we, we belong to different worlds. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so basically in this movie, there was this scene, like Luca is basically this uh, water monster who wants to venture into the human world, right? And uh, oh. so he wants manages to come to the shore and he loves the human world but at the same time uh when he like goes back to his home under the water and his parents somehow discover that luca has been venturing out to the human world they literally bring um like call their distant relative who is an uncle like literally if you just see that uh, google the image of luca's uncle you're gonna see that that literally looks like a crazy person 
but anyways that person is said to come from the dark deep ends of the ocean like it literally sounds so scary and the uh, mom says i know what's best for you son just go with your uncle you're going to be safe you cannot go to the shore you're going to be safe and we love you for that and luca is like no i'm going to go to the shore i want to go i want freedom like this has been like okay this is literally what is called queer coding and um yeah it's almost uh it's like a way of like depicting how people send their kids to this conversion camps and stuff so yeah it's again it's almost like that it's literally volunteering in the name of volunteering you are just doing horrible stuff yeah is the same thing yeah oh some people when they are guardians they feel entitled that they can do anything that's oh just yeah it it's it's sad and it's so back to the story again so yeah they were basically apparently as we volunteered sender to this cyborg draft and sender that's the moment the sender snaps and though she is like how could you do this to me and she gets super sad but as soon as the medroids are like are you ready to go with us that's the moment when sender snaps and she's like no and i quote she says this verbatim scientists have done enough to me already and this speaks volumes like this sentence it, it's literally like marissa might have even wrote this in caps you know like it yeah it screams like how much she hates the fact that she has been like the, her body parts has been dismantled by science and scientists without her consent you know like yeah it's it's kind of really yeah sad. i mean once science uh, that is the entire thing that once science had to tamper with her body to save her and now it's going to kill her but neither of those things are happening with her consent that is just you know yeah bad. it's going to come up again like i know it's going to come up again in chapter exactly. 8 but yeah i'm going to like i'm going to blab about it for i don't know probably another hour or something eternity have yeah, it eternity probably eternity <laughs> yeah um so when the medroids near in to forcibly again quote unquote volunteer her to the camp send a swing some magbelt and destroys one but the other electrocutes her nervous system and her brain forced her to shut down basically she passes out and obviously we know that the androids androids which were androids now it's one singular medroid is going to carry her to this camp and stuff so that marks the end of chapter 6 so we start chapter 7 Now, the, the way the chapter 7 starts it's i mean it almost uh is like i mean this is like the most boring chapter in the entire series probably i i don't even know like it's weird it's so weird but it's kind of important to play the i mean to set the stage for the chapter 8 so yeah it's important So here's what we see there's this certain doctor whose name is Dr Erland and he's basically the head of a lab system and this lab is where 
you do all the like research work for the leucomosis uh finding the antidotes or like testing the antidotes on cyborgs apparently which is like such a noble job oh my god yes you're going to heaven um uh, uh you you're going to have a complete different you know vision about this attachment later <laughs> ah okay acha i kind of got the signal though anyways so uh here's this doctor and <laughs> this is what i uh, wrote in my notes okay because i don't want to blab about this chapter it's really kind of something So this scene shifts to this shady place where an elderly doctor Erland calls a 32-year-old male cyborg quote unquote old. <laughs> I like that but um the way you say okay, that Okay okay th- this is this is what I'm talking about you are getting to understand why he thought he's old like okay this is this is important i just quickly remember this point not only for you but for the audience who are interested in the story at this point just remember this because there are reasons there are reasons and you're going to find them out soon enough actually within this book you're going to find them out okay that's okay you know what let me just uh, stay first what i thought about dr erland at first okay, and then okay. i'm going to come to the confusions about what i think you were saying about this anyways okay. so then i also wrote that again i quoted a, a sentence from the text he liked to give her tasks that kept her seated while she worked i mean like it's basically like um So basically Dr Erland um has this assistant whose name is Fatin and he literally doesn't know her name I I don't know something about this and the fact that she is a big woman like she's taller than him she is stronger than him and I mean I mean just the fact that and the doctor is kind of short and like I don't know old and so I mean I don't want to say old people are weak but like biologically speaking um so I the way I thought about that and uh, the sentence that he liked to give her tasks that kept her seated while she worked just so that he would feel um somehow I don't know secure about his height and stuff I don't know first of all I think it's such a petty thing to do like um I don't even know like people around the world are just so obsessed with heights like somehow they see seem to think that height plays such an important role in power dynamics i don't know i just don't get it but i mean uh, okay okay let me just tell you one thing in certain cases it maybe is important like if you want to join the army and stuff you have to be of certain height because and you have to be fit things like that is okay but it's not like we are going to measure everybody in uh, you know everybody's height in everyday life so to some extent it is important when you are doing jobs that require your height other than that this entire height dynamic is actually ridiculous exactly like uh for those jobs i'm not talking about those job things but like in a re- uh, regular day to day life right if uh, a person sees like a tall woman and a shorter man or like even uh, the mixture of genders maybe a tall woman and a short woman a tall man and a short man whatever be the combination permutation combinations of the genders in a relationship uh 
whenever they see this uh, difference in height people are like oh my god you're tall, uh, dating a tall person huh it should be something interesting right i'm like why why do you think like that also like the stereotype that tall men are supposed to be dominant and stuff like okay i just it disgusts <laughs> me i'm 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 sorry it it disgusts me but yeah this is just like society being ridiculous to its max i don't know like there was also this entire thing that you know short girls are supposed to be cute uh, i don't know like uh, okay let me just uh, uh, give one reference to anybody who has ever watched anime uh, there is a anime called tora dora and uh, out there in that anime the girl the you know the girl was literally just barely over 4 foot four feet and uh, she was she was such a feisty character like anybody uh, you know struck her nerve and she would just jump up and punch that <laughs> person or something like that <laughs> yeah that is what i'm talking about everybody doesn't you know short girls are somehow uh, you know just told to be cute and sweet and you know shy i, I don't understand this entire thing so yeah that that line somehow painted this kind of patriarchal and pseudo misogynistic picture of dr erland in my head um and basically uh but from the fact that you say that it's going to be interesting when i say that the male cyborg is old this is what i think you are trying to say uh, i mean you indicated this this is my thoughts because i have read some of the chapters later on so the doctor apparently i mean i'm not speaking about his identity but just saying about that the fact that he say this male cyborg is old i guess he is trying to save the cyborgs in some way like uh, just saying that they are old or they are not fit for this experiment or something and just by saying those things and um, yeah this is my assumption uh, at this point you are partially correct but not completely uh it would be a spoiler if i told you what the correct thing is but yeah about that thing you should also remember that the doctor is short everything is important just no one thing like there are so many foreshadowings to the pre-trial uh, later books that uh, you can actually if you read into every line of this first book you will they get to know a lot of things Oh so does that mean that the doctor who seems like he's old is not old but he's just a baby <laughs> no, it's not a gas ridiculous oh okay so, <laughs> it's not that no, weird okay no, it, that that is not that i just i just reversed the uh, uh, theme of the boss baby movie series but yeah <laughs> Um. <laughs> God. No, that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, move on. Okay. So basically, uh Dr. Erland is recruiting cyborgs to test his antidotes on and more the ratio which means more the amount of uh metallic parts in the body of the cyborg and the younger they are the better according to what the doctor says to fatin and lin who is another assistant who comes in and says like cinder a woman named cinder or a girl named cinder rather has volunteered again quote unquote volunteered into this cyborg draft and yeah they now have a new subject to try their antidote on 
Oh, might I mention Cinder is still unconscious. So basically, they're going to try their antidote on an unconscious subject. Wow, yay. Such humane methods. <laughs> Love this. Uh-huh, yes. So uh, <laughs> that marked the end of chapter seven. And as I said, it's like literally the most boring chapter. It literally stated some facts and stuff. No event happened. And so jumping right into chapter eight. So Cinder, on the other hand, like this was this small snippet of the story was outside Cinder and like basically not centering Cinder, right? Now we again recenter ourselves into Cinder's world. So while she's unconscious, she has this dream where uh, she's like within this, um, I don't even know what this is. Like it's like it's almost like a depiction of hell, a burning hell, a literal burning hell where the ground is burning. She is within the coals and her whole body is burning in fire and she is thirsty. And not only is she existing right there, like people around her, there, there are so many people around her, like moaning and crying out for water and life and then she notices there's peony by her side and she is blaming sender for this fate like it's 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 less of a dream and more of a nightmare but yeah that happens and uh, yeah so yeah i should also mention this something i wrote in my notes so the dream of hers has to be a foreshadowing of her past. Like when, this is what I wrote, when Selena fall from moon, that is Luna, duh, and was missing her limbs, Garan somehow rescued her. And I described describe this. So it has to be something like the spacecraft crash landed somewhere and Celine got severely hurt and all her limbs have burned and also, like uh, in Luna itself, there was an accident, or at least that's what has been said in the uh, before chapters, right? So there was an accident, Luna. There was an accident on Earth. Probably Celine got hurt. She lost her limbs. Gunnar rescued her. She, he operated on her and adopted her, in the, giving it the name Cinder. And since then, she has been tormented by Adri. Nice and cool. Okay. So. That's all right. Back to the chapter. So basically, when Cinder has this nightmare, at one point, her dream, like she comes out of a unconscious state. And when she regains consciousness, she realizes she's basically bound in a room with a Medroid alone. And like, there's a voice from outside of that room that speaks to her. She comes to know that they plan on testing their antibodies on her and basically though she resists like the medroid injects the serum of okay this is like uh i don't know this something the i guess this is biotech or something but this excites me because i am a sim for biology so this is something <laughs> yeah <really> i know <laughs> that <laughs> so yeah this something this is something that excites me so they said that it's magnetically tagged microbes which is basically like, uh, I mean, it's such a cool way. Just think of it like magnetically tagged microbes. When they go inside your body, you can scan them based on, you know, uh, electromagnetic uh, fields. Yeah. And the yeah, rays. you can see the through the rays, you can scan her body and you can watch every single microbe traveling through her body. And um, 
I mean, it's cool, but what's not cool here is that they are literally paying no attention to the fact that she did, they do not have her consent. And like, they literally were planning on doing that thing when she was unconscious. Like that, okay, this literally screams assault to me. I, I cannot, like, uh, this is just, whew, I don't know any other way to describe this. It's really... I mean, honestly, Tanisha, I feel like this is what defines and separates YA books from children's books, you know, like Harry Potter, the first yeah. two, three books, those were children's books, but uh, gradually, like when, uh, I don't know, when the Cruciatus uh, came up, when uh, Severus died, when uh, so many things kept on happening, like those Actually, the, the last three books were mostly YA in case of Harry Potter. Exactly. And that's how I think yeah, of... Since uh, he turned 15. Yeah. And that's exactly... I think that's the difference uh, between children's books and uh, YA books, right? Like even for Percy Jackson, I would say it's majorly uh, children's books. But there's some pretty like uh, intense chapters in Blood of Olympus. Like... Percy loses his mind he starts controlling poison instead of water like there's some pretty in- intense chapters but yeah that's that those are some yeah so it's a YA thing obviously to discuss some intense stuff and that happens here and there are like even lines that directly indicate that this is not something that should happen ever in real life I mean, when this, uh, when they are taking down all the information about Cinder, right? Uh, so basically, uh, the Medroid comes and like literally like uh, pops open her brain. Like that's, oh. <laughs> I, that's, yeah, and she's sensitive about it. Like later on the series too, and anybody like tries to do anything with her you know, the part of the brain that is detachable, she gets very sensitive, which is, you know, I understand like that is something that shouldn't happen to any human being, but she has that and that makes it different and she's sensitive about it. But uh, other than the fact that they're doing all of this when she's unconscious, one of the things that really bothers me is the entire hologram thing. Uh, has it come up yet? I, I think, yeah, it, 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 I guess it comes up in the next chapter. So, yeah. Yeah, that just disturbed me out of my mind. Honestly. The hologram thing. Yeah. Okay, we are going to describe. No, 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 I would definitely like and love to discuss those because we love depressing things. Like uh, when uh, the Medroid is basically trying to pop open her cranium, right? Like she expresses this, like the fact that she has been operated on and without her consent and she does not, uh, like even the fact that she does not remember anything before her surgery, like that just adds to the fact that this has been a part of her being, a part of her truth, a fact never forgotten, always ignored. Someone had altered her brain. Someone had altered her. Like those sentences just 
oh my god it's not it doesn't even end here it's just also like it just says like when the metroid disconnected the memory chip or was that even a memory chip it wasn't i guess it was like this uh, certain brain thingy like the artificial brain part it's like a chip and stuff so when it disconnects the metroid disconnects it she describes it it was painless painless but someone was in her head inside her an invasion a violation this oh my god the oh this does this does trust strange parallel to mute honestly uh, yeah it, it, it oh my god uh it just uh, i mean the fact the sender moves on with so many trauma just like that like seeing chang sasha's bakery getting burnt down seeing uh, like peony uh, dropped on her knees and somehow managing herself to escape from the junkyard i mean definitely it broke her heart but still doing that next like the way this affects her like as i said marisa mayer does a uh, such an intricate and wonderful job at detailing these like traumatic experiences and like these emotional moments right like uh this is this it affects us even more than cinder it literally it affects us more than cinder like it definitely i guess it affects yeah. her in the story but yeah it definitely affects her but yeah it does affect us too honestly i would i would like to just add one little thing uh she's uh you know even when she uh, later gains a lot of friends and then after a point she does you know get into get to talk to guy a little more most of her you know uh, you know the kind of relationship she shares with her friends and with kai those are also with such a you know undershadowing of sadness and sorrow there is just one one friend she has without you know any kind of uh, sorrow related to it and that person is going to come up in book two so i'm not going to spoil it yet so uh, yeah that uh, is just uh, i i just know that there is just this one friend that she has with whom she doesn't have to you know deal with all, all the sorrow and that person just comes up and makes her laugh and that is just one of the beautiful most beautiful things out there it's even so realistic it doesn't it i mean yeah exactly like you just can be yourself with so many like so less people like you have to, that's or maybe it's just me like i just feel like whenever i'm with a different group of people i am a different person with every single group guy like or at least i felt like this when like one year back before 2020 altered me heavily like i always used to try so hard to merge in with the group and i would not be myself just for the sake of you know blending in uh, with the crowd and yeah um i think that's kind of sad and there were so less people with whom i could be myself and um, yeah that is that is yeah. one of the things you know like a lot of people want to stand out a lot of people want to fit in and i was also one of the types who wanted to fit in but i just don't know like it most of the times you know i would go somewhere and would try to fit in but it seemed like the wrong puzzle to fit inside like my piece won't just get inside that puzzle and then i would just you know stand by the side and be like feel awkward about that entire thing so yeah i think somehow last year though it did a lot of awful things it gave us time to understand uh, and choose yeah. which puzzles we do fit in 
exactly i i, I am like as much as i hate 2020 like it literally altered people lives in a more miserable way but it also for people uh i mean it it literally altered our lives it's difficult and miserable for some people and for some people it's i don't think anyone got unaffected by 2020 like even the richest people on the planet and the most happiest person on the planet was affected by it in some way maybe good maybe bad maybe mixed but yeah 2020 just yeah i mean I, this way, this may sound uh, like a selfish thing to say but as men, much as i know that a lot of people suffered in that and everything still the fact that makes me more sad is uh, i lost like my last school year to this entire thing but this may be selfish but that is the fact that makes me most sad but yeah beyond all of that things we did get a little bit time to you know rediscover ourselves yeah and i'm like so thankful for that like if i hadn't it would have like cost me probably another 10 years or something to figure myself out and then the guilt that comes with not for not being yourself for such a long time it just yeah it's okay we sidetracked again so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we sidetracked again uh but the good news is that the chapter ends here so basically Cinder is has been injected with these antibodies and this is a cliffhanger and we're going to stop right here with this episode. Thank you for sticking by and we'll see you in the next episode when Cinder deals with the antibodies flowing through her veins. Bye for now. See you soon. Love you and love yourselves. Bye. Stay tuned. Bye. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Yo, that sounded so cringy. Um now. <laughs>